And we'll welcome you into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shoptoff, C70. It's bat at C70 on the Twitters. With me, as always, Tara Nichols from uh, from Birds on the Black and at Tara Wellman on Twitter. We are coming to you on Sunday night, as we usually do, um, right after the Cardinals have won um, the game this afternoon, salvaging at least one game in Cincinnati. Um, Tara, it's a, boy, emotional roller coaster week um which is at least somewhat good because usually it's just been like the downside of the roller coaster for one of the <laughs> at least stuff. there's more than one note to exactly to discuss. Yeah. exactly um <laughs> win three out of four against the cubs that one game that they lost should have won devastating loss of of how that melted down you go into cincinnati they had two losses that you know honestly both of them they should have won those too uh, mm-hmm. if just you know had their opportunities didn't happen and then they win one today you know they're sitting at 50 and 50 there's 62 games left what are your feelings about this team and how are they different than they were say at the beginning of the month my feeling is that it's still kind of hard to tell because there's still so much inconsistency and the reality might be that's who they are Mm-hmm. They're a very inconsistent team that can look like a team that if they put together a run could be a playoff contender, but they can also look like a team that should be sellers at the deadline instead of looking to maybe add some pieces. And that's a very weird space to be in as someone who watches this team, as a fan of this team, as someone who you know then tries to talk with some level of intelligence about this <laughs> team, because maybe this is just who they are. And that would be frustrating because we've said a number of times this season, it feels like they should be better than this, but maybe they're not. But on the flip side of that, it does feel better in the last couple of weeks than it did in the month of June. And I don't know what you do with that either, because while I can say it feels a little bit better, but they took three out of four from the Cubs and then dropped two out of three to the Reds. And like you said, in ways that should never have happened. So it's strangely easy to say simultaneously, I feel better about them than I did a month ago, but I also don't know if I feel like they're a good enough team to make the postseason. Um, even with some of the improvements that they've made. And we'll talk about some of those things, right? Some pl- There have been players that have stepped up and players that have, have made the offense look like you can stretch that lineup out a little bit more. Um, there's some good possibility of getting some of those starting pitchers back that have been on the IL for quite some time. Maybe that's a boost that they need. Um, the middle innings bullpen meltdowns, uh, much less the, the late innings ones, are hard to stomach. And I don't know what the solution is there with kind of the spare parts approach that John Moselec has taken to this point. But the reality is they have 62 games left and they have to play at a pretty remarkable clip from here on out to put themselves in that, you know, 90 win mark where you feel like they're the kind of team that they should have been all along. I don't know if they can do that, even with the improvements that they've made. And that's, I think where I kind of land with all of this is sure. I feel better about them now than I did three weeks ago, but I also look at the fact that in 62 games, (laughs) <laughs> they have to play some pretty incredible baseball to make themselves relevant in the postseason conversation. Yeah. If you're assuming 90 wins, which I mean, depending on what the Brewers do, maybe that's a little bit high, but that's a fair, right? 90 wins. 
Um, they have to win 40 of their 62 that are left. That's at a clip that would be over a complete season, 104 to 105 wins. And I think as much as we love this team, we know this is not a 104, 105 <laughs> win team. Now, again, short stretches, you just never know. Um, and with the additions, you know, the pitching side and, and things and the, and the softer schedule. I mean, the Cardinals, you know, don't have a whole lot of people left, especially in August, to play that um, that are hard, except for maybe the Brewers we'd have to step up against. And granted, we know what happened the last time they had a soft part of the schedule and it didn't go so well. But um, <laughs> so, you know, there's there's reasons for optimism. There's reasons for hope. But there has to be an acknowledgement that that's a very, very faint flicker that they're going to be able to do enough. You know, they could play a very good, strong second half and we could feel better about them. But the chances of them playing in October are really slim. And mm-hmm. and I think that's, you know, that's going to, has to inform what John Mosellock does this week. Uh, Cardinals picked up uh, a guy from the Blue Jays, uh, TJ sock or something of that nature i don't know exactly how to pronounce it but it starts with a z so that's cool um that's something um you know we know that the the last time they got a former number one pick that had had some issues with the blue jays it turned out okay uh with chris carpenter so you know maybe maybe this is a long-term play for Thomas um but when you when you look at where they are is it going to I mean, are, do you really think that John Mozeliak does anything besides, you know, again, picking some people up for DFA or, or things like that? Do you really see him making any kind of significant addition this week? Uh, no. <laughs> um, and that I hesitated because there's definitely some cynicism in my mind in terms of the, the trade deadline and things that John Mozeliak does or does not do mostly does not. Um, Mm. And I don't know that anything has happened this season that gives me any indication that he's going to change the norm. I don't know that this team is good enough that he's going to say, Hey, we, we could really use that one more guy that would push us from being a contender to being a favorite. Um, But part of the reason for that skepticism is that even in the years where the Cardinals have been that team now it's been a while since they were you know kind of looking at being the favorite and and making a deep postseason run the tendency is more to say no I think we're good enough like we are and I don't know what the the reality of that feels like to the team right because it can go one of two ways it can be yeah we have confidence in this group but it can also we've seen how uh, a significant addition can revitalize a clubhouse. Yes, that means somebody is going to get moved out, but it puts you that much closer to a title, which tends to make competitive athletes <laughs> pretty happy. So I I think there's just sort of an overall philosophy that tends to lean in the direction of why change something when it's working? And I'd rather just say I have confidence in the guys that we already have than to disrupt what's working by bringing in someone new. And those are in good years, right? Those are decisions. Those are conversations that I, they're, they're lines I feel like we've heard from the front office in good years. In mm-hmm. mediocre years, I don't know that there's really any incentive for John Mozeliak to think, okay, I need to, I need to go out and fix this. One, because 
probably not a, a simple fix to any of this. Um, but two, I don't, I don't know that there's that motivation to win this year. And we haven't seen that from this front office in a long time, which is a shame considering maybe the final year, final years, whatever it is of Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina kind of just being thrown by the wayside, especially when specifically in terms of Adam Wainwright, he's actually playing well. It's not like the, the last gasping breath of Adam Wainwright. And you're going to be like, well, that's, it's fine. He probably didn't, he wasn't playing well enough to win a title. Anyway, this is an Adam Wainwright that has kept this team afloat in a lot of ways with the rest of the rotation, <laughs> more or less on the IL at, at times during the season. And you're kind of just throwing that, that last year or maybe last years of Adam Wainwright away. And so that part of it's a little bit frustrating, but once again, I'm rambling because I don't have any, I feel like I just say the same thing over and over again because we see the same thing over and over again. John Mazalek does the same thing over and over again. And, um, you know, as I always caveat, if he's listening to this, hello, good evening. Have a, I hope you have a lovely week. Um, but also, you know, it, it is frustrating from the outside to watch. And I don't know, maybe more of those phone calls are taking place than he will ever admit. He's not a guy that likes to talk about what happens in the front office workings. I get that. You don't want to, you know, show your hand, but it doesn't seem like that's a play they're ever going to be willing to make. And so to give you, go back to the short answer to your question, do I think they're going to make a move this week? No, because they haven't, and nothing this year has indicated they're willing to or interested in um, doing something that they've never done. I Yeah, I, I agree with you with the caveat that if they can find something that works for this year and next year, then maybe they do that. Um, because, yeah, I don't think they do much of anything to try to help this team. And honestly... I'm not 100% sure what you would do. I mean, you know, yes, getting another relief arm in here would be nice. Getting a stronger bench would be good. Um, you know, so maybe, you know, somebody like that. But n nothing that's going to necessarily shake everybody up. You know, there's not – I don't think there's a spot on the on the field on the starting starters that they would replace right now. Yeah. Um, and, you know, to some degree, that's fair. I mean, we're seeing what that outfield looks like right now, and it looks really good. Um, you know, it's a lot different than where we were in May or June when, you know, Harrison Bader's hurt and, you know, when he was struggling before he even went on the injured list. Um, you know, obviously, you don't do anything at the corners. You don't do anything behind the plate. You know, it's unlikely that they would do anything at short and second even. Um just because, at least not for the short term. So I don't see and, and where they where they could do or what they would do. I mean, I'd say there obviously are things they could do, but I just don't see anything that just stands out glaring, especially with. And I know we all say, well, it's just like a trade, but you know when you do have a guy like Jack Flaherty and a guy like Miles Michaelis coming back, assuming that they are actually able to come back. You know, that is that is quite a boost. I mean, you're replacing 40% of your current rotation, and you're not replacing it by, you know, a win of, above replacement. And this is significant change from, you know, 
Jake Woodford and a, a fairly struggling Johan Oviedo to veteran Miles Michaelis and Jack Flaherty, who's the ace of your staff. Yeah. And I think the Jack Flaherty move is the one that I feel most confident in. I struggle to even establish what expectations are for Miles Michaelis at this point, mm-hmm. because it's been so long since we've seen him pitch uh, in any sort of effectiveness. So the Jack Flaherty addition, getting him back is a huge boost. Again, what Jack Flaherty looks like immediately upon returning, who really knows at this point? We'll see what happens once he gets out and does some rehab starts and and where you go from there. But at least that provides that sort of morale boost in one way, getting a guy back. Um, and we'll see what Miles Michaelis is able to bring. I do agree with you that it is hard to f- to see what that move should be. There's not an obvious, hey, we need to upgrade this position and here's how we're going to do it. Um, but I would also tag the last thing you said there. And that is that there are things they could do because there's always something you could do. Right. Um, if things aren't working and you want to actively change it, there's always something you can do. <laughs> um, you don't want to make a move for just to make a move, which is another classic John Mazalek line. But if you keep slamming your head into the wall, uh, maybe making a move is going to stop you from slamming your head into the wall. Um, so I don't know. I, I think I would love to be wrong and, and see that they do something that makes sense. But if there's not anything that makes sense, this isn't a year to, you know, go all out because the team probably isn't good enough. That may be where they land. But that's that's a little bit hard to say to a team that went out and got Nolan Arenado to pair with Paul Goldschmidt and had Jack Flaherty and, you know, down the list. Um, They, I don't think expected to be in this spot with the team that they put together. And that's why I would like to see a little bit more of a, Hey, this, this didn't go like we planned. Let's try to write the ship instead of this didn't go like we planned. Oh, well, um, (laughs) just because it's not as interesting to watch from that perspective. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I do wonder, you know, again, if this team was playing even, you know, five games over 500, you know, and we're within five or six games of Milwaukee, would that make a difference? I mean, it's, you know, rumor had it that, you know, Max Scherzer was on the market now or has a possibility of being traded. And I, I look at that, and obviously we would love to have Max Scherzer in this rotation. But, you know, I don't think it can – I don't know that that would make it a difference right now. I mean, it would help, but I don't think that's going to be enough to push you over that distance. If you're two or three or four games back, yeah, a guy like Scherzer can help you. But they've dug themselves such a hole that, you know, without revamping everything um, – even one superstar player probably doesn't do it. I yeah. mean, well, and, and we've said this before too, right? But if it's an offensive process, that's a problem. <laughs> one offensive star doesn't change the rest of the process. That's a problem. Yeah. And, you know, we could, we could go there and talk about guys that have shown improvement and where there has been progress. And it does look like, you know, maybe a corner is being turned, but it's also real short sample size since the all-star break and hard to get a feel for that. But 
that's why I think it's so hard. We have this discussion and I feel like you could go back and play last year's before the trade deadline conversation all over again. Maybe not last year because COVID baseball yeah, that didn't count. That was all weird, but yeah. go back, go back to the previous year. <laughs> um, and we were probably having the same conversation and you could just substitute names and probably get the same, the same result. And I think that's why it feels a little stale. It feels like a lot of teams at the trade deadline are like, Ooh, what's going to happen. Fans can be excited about the, the deadline. Cause you know what, what's going to change, who we're going to get, who's going to go where. And for Cardinals fans, for the most part, it's been, well, that was fun to see for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's not a lot of excitement built up around it in, in the Cardinals part of the world. Um, because we're, we know well enough that one player probably isn't going to make a difference. We also know that getting Jack Flaherty back will help, but it's not going to solve the offensive hot or coldness. Um, it's not going to solve the, the late game bullpen meltdowns. Um, so even that, sure, feels like a win. But does it really fix this? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Flaherty and, and Michaelis coming back will help the bullpen in some degree if they decide that's where they want to put Woodford or Oviedo. But even then, you know, you're looking at guys that are going to be long-term, unless they turn Oviedo into some late-inning guy, and I don't think with his walk issues they will. I think he's much more likely to go to Memphis um, and pitch. And Woodford is not that much of an upgrade from the guys they aren't using anyway of the Justin Millers and the Luis Garcia's of the world. Um, you know, he's a guy that you don't mind to have on your team in case you need him in the fourth inning, but you know, may not get a whole lot of play. So yeah, I don't know that it, you know, unless they figured out the guy, you know, if they could bring in a guy that would magically have them, you know, throw strikes, that would help. But that um, would help. For, fortunately, <laughs> I don't think that that guy necessarily exists. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe they'll do a little bit here. Maybe, maybe they won't, they probably, probably won't, but it's, it's very hard to see how that makes. And you just kind of, you're right. You have to wait on, see how these guys improve themselves. And the one guy that's improved himself the most, it feels like is Harrison Bader. You know, we were talking before the show about, you know, he's had his runs before. And so we do want to temper a little bit, but it's been a really good month since Harrison Bader came off the injured list. And he, he kind of looks like a, a whole different player. Yeah, he does. I've, I've had some uh, old tweets <laughs> being <laughs> brought back to my attention this week, primarily in terms of when the Cardinals didn't make a trade for Zach Wheeler that could have included either mm. Harrison Bader or Tyler O'Neill. And at the time my thought was, well, that's it. <laughs> yep. You're not yep. going to make that move. Uh, because what you need right now is pitching, not a 17th outfielder. Um, and, you know, those are being brought back up in, in the sense of, see, I told you he was going to be great, which, okay. Uh, I mean, he's had a nice month and he's looked really improved in a lot of ways. His at-bats look better. Um, he seems to be seeing the ball a lot better, but he also seems to be just kind of judging at bats better, right? He's able to fight off some pitches that he knows he can't hit, but are too close to take, especially when the strike zone seems to be <laughs> getting uh, wider and wider for right-handed batters. Mm. Um, and 
he is able to hit pitches that he's missed before. He's smarter about what he swings at and what he doesn't and, and how he attacks a pitch that's in the zone and, and all those things. It looks great. Um, it's, it's fun to watch. It's exciting for him. I think part of the struggle that we've talked about is that there was weirdly this expectation of Harrison Bader being, you know, this offensive centerpiece for this team. And I don't really know where that came from, except that, really early on Harrison Bader was set up as kind of like the next generation Cardinal. Uh, and maybe, maybe that elevated a weird level of baseball expectation in addition to the fact that he's personable and easy to watch and all of those things. Um, so I don't really know even where the expectation offensively came from in that way, but it's been hard for him to live up to. And to see what he's doing now looks a lot more like that. My question though is, okay, come back to me in three months. Mm -hmm. And does he still look improved? Because we've seen him come off of the IL at times. We've seen him come back from Memphis at times and you go, wow, this is a totally different player. He looks like he's really figured some things out. Um, And then he'll hit a stretch where he looks like he's never hit a baseball before in his life. And some of that's just the way the game is. We've said similar things about Paul DeYoung. We've said similar things about, you know, Matt Carpenter and other players. But um, none of that takes away from the fact that in the last month, he looks like a very settled version of the best case scenario, Harrison Bader. Now, is he going to live up to this? this pace for forever? (laughs) Probably not. Um, And I think that we should all temper our expectations in that regard, just because that's not how this game works. Um, You know, you go off on a a pace like that and you're going to come back to earth a little bit at some point, but his ability to change the dynamic of a game has never changed. And that's what I think is so exciting about Harrison Bader is that from the very debut days of Bader as a major league player, you saw that potential that he had the ability to change the entire course of a game, whether it's defensively or running the bases or with a big hit in a big moment, he kind of lost that big hit part of it for quite a while. And it's been a lot of fun to see him find that part of his game again. And I would love to be completely wrong. I would love for Harrison Bader to end up being a Cardinals Hall of Famer. And uh, when I suggested they could have, you know, handled, they could have absorbed the blow of losing Harrison Bader for um, Zach Wheeler in a year where they needed pitching. I will take that. I will take that if that's what ends up happening. But give it some time, give it a little breathing room. Let's not rush to uh, creating more unrealistic expectations for the kid. Just watch him play and enjoy it. Yeah. I think that if, you know, if Harrison Bader could hit 270 with 15 homers, um, you know, and a a semi-decent walk rate and, you know, have the little bit of the discipline that we're seeing now where he's not necessarily chasing a whole lot of pitches outside of the strike zone, you know, that's excellent when you pair that with his defense. I mean, uh, you know, the, the saying was that Yadi Rolina could hit over the season and still play with his defense and Bader is close to that. But so when you can add, you know, even league average defense uh, or even offense to that, that's huge. Right. Um, and when you get what he's getting now, which is like much better than league average. I mean, then it's just like, 
you know, what can't this kid do? And then to some degree you start thinking, and I think we've talked about it, you know, when the off and, and the, the offense hasn't struggled as much this week, it had it missed it misfired in some bad situations, but we didn't see any of those, you know, zero or one run games where they're getting no hit by some mediocre pitcher. They, you know, they uh, the, the lineup was better this week, but when it was struggling, I mean, you looked at Harrison Bader as a possibility to you know, be lead off again, um, mm-hmm. just because of what he was doing. Um, and, you know, that's still a possibility. We'll see how they do it this week with the DH in um, in Cleveland for these two games uh, in the middle of the week. But, yeah, it's just it's good to see. You're right. We need to, you know, temper it. We'll see how it goes the rest of the year. But if, if he can keep, you know, not this rate, but a reasonable rate up for the next couple of months, you feel a lot better about the Cardinals' bet on that outfield of, of – of Bader and O'Neill and Carlson. They kind of had this vision of what this team could be. And those guys haven't played together very much. I think they put a tweet out. This is like their 20, 25th game together this year, you know, out of the hundred. Um, and the Cardinals have been very successful when they've been all out there. And that's mm-hmm. part because it seems like they all seem to be kind of meshing together. So it's interesting to say, you also mentioned Paul DeYoung and, and Paul DeYoung is still, struggling to some degree, but his, he's had a good month, you know, his, you know, um, OPS is in the nine hundreds. Um, you know, you'd like to see some there. It, it really feels like a lot of these pieces, except for maybe Yadier or Molina, um, have started to, started to figure out what they want to do, you know, and, you know, maybe that's partly because the ball's not spitting as much because of people <laughs> putting stuff on it. I don't know. I mean, who knows what, what is going on, but it feels like we're seeing enough offense out of everybody that, you know, with reasonable pitching, they should be able to win a lot of games. Um, the problem is whether they can get reasonable pitching or not. And that, mm-hmm. you know, you knew Alex Reyes was going to have a bad game at one point in time. Right. Um, and so to have that against the Cubs in such a, it's one thing to blow up one red lead, to blow up, you know, five run lead in the ninth is, is hard. Um, but give him credit. It hasn't stopped him. I mean, he's come back what twice since then and looked right. very sharp. Um, so uh, I don't know. I'm still, I know they keep talking about him being a starter next year, but I just don't see how they get him out of the bullpen. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I mean, similar conversations that we've had about Carlos Martinez in the past right. for a number of years. Um, he really suits this role in the sense of his stuff, his mentality. What worries me is the walks. It's not really something you like to see in that ninth inning spot, but the way that he's able to bounce back, the way that he's able to kind of take things in stride, maybe in part because his career has been such a struggle to get to this point. He's kind of just embraced whatever opportunity he has. And Do I think he could be effective as a starter because of the stuff that he has? Yes. I've, I've always thought that about Alex Reyes, but is this the better path for his career at this point in the game? Maybe so. And boy, it would be nice to not have to guess about that ninth inning as much as the Cardinals have in the last handful of years. And I mean that, that idea that we have for this year, right. Of Jordan Hicks and Alex Reyes at the end of your mm-hmm. um, with Giovanni Gallegos back there. Of course, now obviously Hicks is going to have to work his way back. It's kind of a, a little bit of an Alex Reyes situation here for Alex, for Jordan Hicks too, of missing all of 
what all most of 19 you miss most of 19 all of 20 and then mm-hmm. now almost a good chunk of 21 it doesn't sound like they're really thinking he's going to be back this year right but if he can get back to some of that i mean he's still got to figure out his control too but you put all those guys in the back of a a bullpen and you feel pretty good about things for the most part. So, um, and there are a lot of arms that the Cardinals already have in line for next year. Um, not to mention what they could go out and get in the free agent market, not to mention, you know, the Libertors and Thompson's of the world. Um, so I don't know. I, I'd kind of like to see him. I hate to see them, um, put those guys in the bullpen and never give them a chance to start again. Right. But, you know, they wanted him to hit 100 innings this year, and he's at 45, just short of 46. <laughs> I feel like even if you see Alex Reyes next year, he's it's a situation where he's going to be pitching four or five, you know, maybe by the middle of the year he's throwing six innings. And I feel like we've, you know, that's that's tough on the bullpen, as we've seen a lot this year. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just, like I said, I don't know – I don't know what the best method is there because we have talked in the past about guys that were moved to the bullpen or guys we didn't want to be moved to the bullpen because we didn't want them to get stuck there because of the potential that they had. We talked about that, you know, when, when Adam Wainwright was a closer in the world series and then came back and they were immediately like, no, but he's actually a starter. So (laughs) calm down everyone. Uh, That was out of necessity and it worked, but we're not, we're not playing that game. But we've seen that a number of times, and and guys do kind of get stuck in that spot. I mean, I know that John Gant, the starter, was not a great experiment at the start of this year, but he had been successful as a starter for a long time in the minor leagues, and he did kind of get stuck in that bullpen role because that's what the Cardinals needed him for. Now, maybe that's the best use of his skill set, but it was sort of defined for him in a lot of ways by what the Cardinals ended up needing. And you would hate to see that be what happens to an Alex Reyes who has just all the potential in the world, um, but at the same time, is he going to end up being more successful that way? Is the team going to end up benefiting more that way? And how do you balance those two things out? What what gives Alex Reyes the best career overall? Mm-hmm. And what gives the Cardinals the best shot at a title overall? I'm not sure those are always the same thing. Yeah, that is, that is very possible. And, and balancing those situations is what John Mozilla gets paid to do. Um, it's not to make trades, obviously. So um, Because he doesn't. You know, he gets right. paid whether he makes trades or not. So, uh, <laughs> yes, it seems to be so. Um, Card- uh, Milwaukee lost tonight, so the Cardinals are eight games back. Um, they do have the Indians for two this week. They go, then they have the Twins for three this coming weekend. Um, do they need to sweep it to, <sighs> to really have a, a chance here? You know. It feels like it, but like I said, part of that is just the recognition of 62 games. Yep. That's all you have left to play with, and you got to do a, a lot better than you have done in the first 100. And and so it feels like, yeah, a sweep's necessary, and then another sweep. <laughs> and then maybe you can drop a game, but win the series after that. Um, unrealistic, for sure, but it, it does seem like... Look, they just have to make the most of the time that they have and let the the chips fall where they may. But um, it feels like something has to give. And this back and forth hovering around 50 
uh, hovering around 500 mm-hmm. at 50 and 50. If they do that for another week or so, it doesn't feel like there's any way for them to climb out of a hole to sneak into a postseason spot. And, you know, at that point, like I said at the beginning, maybe this is just who they are. Brewers have Pirates and Braves of three games set with the Pirates starting on Tuesday, the Braves three games this weekend. So, you know, especially those Pirates games, you almost have to sweep while they're winning because they expect them to win against the Pirates. So if you're looking at the gap between the two teams, but you're right. right. I mean, they just really need to win. It's funny you, the way you phrase that of, you know, they have to do the most with the time they have left made it sound like, you know, they had a terminal illness uh, <laughs> diagnosis and that, uh, very well, maybe accurate for no, the, just for a race team. against time. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess that, that too. But I mean, there's a, there's a good chance. I mean, you know, they they have just two months left, really, after this week, um, and you know, trying to make up a game a week is tough. Uh, even when you mm-hmm. get now, the only thing going in their favor is they have the 13 games with the Brewers still left. So uh, they have a lot of head to head that maybe, especially when Jack Flaherty's back, you know, gets the chance to to face them. Maybe that all works out, but it's not exactly the way you want to put your bets down. If no. <laughs> so. But, you know, we'll sit around and we'll watch and, you know, the two off days this week means at least two days we won't be too frustrated right. <laughs> if nothing else <laughs> uh, and get a chance to take a breather. Um, and, and hopefully the Cardinals do. I mean, you know, to win these games, especially with the Twins team that's already trying to sell off. Um, and an Indians team that is, uh, well, I don't know if they're in the sell-off buy mode, but they're not really. They're kind of chasing down the White Sox, and they've got a, some issues mm-hmm. as well. And, you know, maybe they're getting measured for their new uniforms. I don't know. Um, but, um, yeah, should be, at, at least if nothing else, the Indians, you get to run Wainwright and Kim. And that's, it feels like to me, like that was why I was worried about this weekend is you didn't have either one of those guys going. Right. You've got those two guys going, you feel pretty good about your chances. Yeah. And I I mean, that speaks very well to those two. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't speak great <laughs> to everybody else. <laughs> that is true. That is true. All right. Well, Tara and I may be with you next week. It may be two weeks, just depending on how, how life goes for us. But uh, hopefully when we do return, we're talking about you know some Cardinal wins, maybe a new Cardinal or two, or um, maybe we're talking about you know what we're going to do this winter since we're not going to be watching Cardinal baseball. Um, we'll, we'll see how the next couple of weeks go. But until then, I'm Daniel. That's Tara. Good night. Hey, Cardinals fans. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under Podcasts and click subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in Baseball Heaven.